This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. The Buck Sexton Show. Steve, great to have you. Thank you, Buck. Great to be with you. And you were just, before we get into the latest uh, shenanigans with China, uh, you were just over uh, out in that part of the world. Uh, How was your trip? That was an interesting trip. I went to uh, Taiwan and to Japan. uh, And, of course, Taiwan was in the news a little bit uh, around that time, given that uh, President-elect Trump chose to receive a congratulatory phone call from the Taiwan president, and that sent people a buzz. And then there's been an exchange about one China policy, and both capitals were interested in what's going on with the United States and trade. So fruitful conversations had by all, but the security situation was equally of concern, if not greater, in both of those capitals, too. Let me ask you just quickly about the, the on the Taiwanese side of, of the ledger, was there a sense of, of- – of sort of overall happiness and satisfaction that Trump actually did speak to them? Well, it's sort of like a multi-layered cake. On one level, they're they're thrilled. At the same time, it was just a phone call, and a phone call that probably should have been made 30 years ago. And if it took you 30 years to get to some basic level of civility in taking a democratically elected leader's congratulatory phone call, uh, they worry about how long it could take for another step. On the other hand, they're very, very anxious about being used as a pawn in a greater chess game with China. So while they want to say thank you for the the love and respect on one level, they're always worried about being left behind in some kind of bargain, given that that's exactly what Henry Kissinger and Big Brzezinski did to them in the Nixon, Ford, and Carter administrations. Now let's talk a bit about this latest dust-up with China. The uh, U.S. had a had a naval uh, obser- sort of uh, observation ship that was using an underwater unmanned vehicle, a UUV. People are calling it a, it's a drone, underwater drone, to pick up uh, temperature and depth and information like that. They say it's totally unclassified. Uh, Chinese warship uh, inside of the U.S. ship seized it, just picked it out of the water. They're saying that they just wanted to make sure it didn't cause problems for other ships. This thing is six feet long. I don't think it's, you know, I, I don't think that's a, a, a reasonable explanation for why they would pluck this thing out of the water. Uh, why, why would China do this? I mean, that's the first question. And then we'll get into what we should do in response. But what's the Chinese play here? Well, they've been increasingly aggressive in demonstrating that the seas are theirs in their near abroad. They have very expansive claims on territory. They've been building out man-made islands and not just using them for fishing or planting a flag, actually building runways and being able to base military materiel off of their shores. And so they've, ever since our EP3 crash, uh, which we should say their pilot ran into our uh, very nimble large surveillance aircraft, uh, that they've, they've been looking at ways of pushing back on the notion that the United States or other powers have the right to conduct any kind of freedom of navigation exercises uh, within you know, a certain mileage distance of China. So 
it's part of their strategy of challenging things. Uh, and when you're talking about an unmanned vessel, they probably think it's a lower risk, uh, and they can take this kind of action to see what the United States' response is. Now, this is what I'm, I'm always fascinated by. And you're somebody who understands the Asia portfolio well from your time in government. This this happens, and of course, people on the left, Democrats broadly speaking, are going to say, "Let's not get you know, let's not get everything all in in a in a hissy here. You know, let's not all freak out about this. Uh, we don't want to overstep." The Obama administration, I, I think, has has I don't know, they they've said they'll accept the return of the drone. That's pretty much their they they requested it back. They're accepting it back. On the right, though, you hear. Uh, we should do more. There should be a response. There should be something that, that happens here. Clearly, we're not about to fire a bunch of uh, you know missiles into mainland China because they picked a six-foot drone out of the water. Um, but also, this is done to sort of test the limits of what the U.S. response, both of this administration and perhaps the temperament of the next administration, will be. So, Stephen, what are some possible out-in-the-open responses that, that would be worthwhile to this? You know, people say we the, the Obama administration should do more. Okay, like what? Well, number one, they should at very least uh, make clear that the Chinese stole our property. Uh, and, you know, that's never okay. And to just say, well, we'll take it back as if this was like a wallet accidentally left on the street and we'll hand you your wallet back with all your cards and cash intact not exactly the case. They, they took our property. Who knows what they did with it while they had it. Uh, and that we should never, ever acknowledge that it's acceptable behavior. And you have to come up with some sense on your own um, what kind of cost should be imposed. But if there's no cost imposed, you can guarantee that you're going to get bullied and taken advantage of more. Uh, and I have no idea what the calculus of the incoming administration is going to be on what things should be in play in the U.S.-China relationship. But everything from politics of visits to trade and other kinds of privileges to military kind of maneuvers and actions, maybe they should be uninvited from observer positions in our multilateral training exercises. Something, there has to be some measure of cost paid to their dignity at the very least for doing this kind of thing. Now, would, would you suggest perhaps economic, uh, some sort of e- economic response, or is it is it dangerous? I mean, I've seen people analyze this on, on in both ways. Some say, well, you have to extract sort of economic pain in order to get them to not do these sorts of more national security uh, provocations. Uh, and others say, no, no, you don't want to start tying those two things together explicitly because then you're just asking for problems. Uh, where do you come down on that? Well, I come down on the side of you need to try different things. Uh, and the Chinese themselves do not disaggregate the, any of their interest in the United States into discrete channels. They will very, very often attach economic uh, interest to their national security objectives. Uh, and so if, say, for instance, there are companies that are doing business in Taiwan and they don't want to support that kind of effort, they will, and that's a national security objective of theirs, they will tie economic interests on the mainland to that. So they could punish companies in terms of limited access on the mainland 
if they are not playing by Beijing's rules in terms of access to Taiwan. There's any number of ways in which politics, economics, and security are blended together, and China is much better than we are in letting all of their levers of power be being accessible to them while trying to limit what we think we have available to us in response. We can't be flippant about this, and we have to be mindful of escalating to a level that is out of proportion in what we're dealing with. But at the same time, I think a new administration needs to try different things. Sometimes the Chinese are more susceptible to the symbolic things, and that's why I would consider you know, disinviting them to a, a multilateral military exercise as a small symbolic step, which might actually seem more costly to them in terms of prestige than if we sent them a bill for however many millions of dollars we wanted to for our inconvenience and for theft of our property. Now, if we tie this to the string of similar Chinese provocations in the past, including when that U.S. Navy EP-3 was clipped, uh, you you mentioned this, over the South China Sea back in 2001, uh, they imprisoned our crew for 11 days, they stripped the plane of sensitive electronic equipment, Uh, Then there was the 2002 incident with a Chinese fishing boat ramming uh, a a U.S. ship um, to disable its sonar. Uh, In March of 2009, a Chinese craft tried to sever the towed sonar array from the United States Navy impeccable. Uh, This is all in the South China Sea, by the way. So clearly this is a, a, a cauldron that is bubbling up more and more. Um, What did we do? It seems like in those cases we said, sorry, China, please don't be mad at us. Well, we sort of had uh, angry letters or their equivalent sent to say how unacceptable it all is. Uh, Secretary Clinton went to Southeast Asia for a multilateral summit meeting and issued tough words of deterrence, but it was never really backed up in a meaningful way uh, that had any impact on China's behavior. Uh, I think we do need to multilateralize some burden sharing among the different countries that are affected by what China is doing, but they need to share in the risk and responsibility uh, for uh, China's aggression. And even though we have quirky relations with a quirky new leader in the Philippines and complicated relations around that ring with equities in South China Sea, we have a similar problem in the East China Sea. So really across Asia, we need to be looking in a fresh way about increasing the, the independent deterrence capability of our allies and partners and make sure they're sharing some of the effort to push back against this kind of aggression from China. South China Sea is the most likely place uh, for the Trump administration to run into some real issues, uh, m- military issues, naval issues with China, I would assume. Yes, I mean, this is going to be, if there is a flashpoint with China where things go beyond angry letters, it would seem to be in this region. That, well, it's that end and East China because of the unpredictability of North Korea. We're always at risk of things happening in that in that theater. And we have territorial disputes that really run all of China's periphery along the Pacific there. And it's not just a military issue, uh, given the huge amounts of global trade and energy and other goods that go through these waterways. It's a massive economic interest for all of East Asia. I also wanted to ask you, and this is kind of returning to our uh, the beginning of the conversation with Taiwan, we sell Taiwan advanced military hardware. We sell it missiles specifically uh, designed to be able to take out ships at long distance. Uh, and we've been doing that for a while, and yet a, 
a phone call that somehow runs afoul of the one China perception. I know it's a policy, but it seems to be, you know, Taiwan is this other place that isn't really a part of China, uh, sets off this reaction in, in the media and with China and the Chinese media and the Chinese government. Why does I think a lot of people look at this and ask, why is it okay for us to sell the missiles that can blow up Chinese ships and would make a Chinese military action against Taiwan much more difficult? But a phone call from the president elect that gets everybody upset. Well, I think this is just part of what I consider to be a very irrational part policy by the United States, uh, one whose terms are largely dictated by Beijing, you know, basically saying what words we're allowed to use and who we're allowed to talk to and what our dealings with other people are allowed to be. Uh, and while a lot of our diplomats and the people who set this framework up will vigorously disagree, I still would posit that's the case. Uh, and that the the reason they sort of condone this concession to China and letting them control what we do is because Beijing is so big and powerful and so dangerous and we're so dependent on our economic relationship with them. I just think that we hold a lot more cards that we don't pay, play. And fundamentally, I don't think any U.S. administration should ever accept being dictated to by a foreign power in terms of what they can and can't do. Uh, especially when it's the the hostile government in Beijing that's saying that handling Taiwan the wrong way could lead to conflict. If you think of all the conflict zones we have around the world, American presidents and their representatives engage both sides of those conflicts to try to keep peace. This yeah, it's is astonishing to me that we, we can we can talk to Iran. Done. You know, we'll talk to Iran now. We'll talk to Cuba. We'll talk to you know, talk to Russia. We'll talk to anybody. But talking to Taiwan, that's a problem. Right. And that's just, you know, every American should think that's a point of insanity. And anyone that makes policy should say, okay, this is evidence that we've let things go too far. I don't think the Trump administration wants to completely revolutionize what the relationship is with a major power like China. But certainly the early signs are looking at rebalancing in a way that more favors American interests and I think common sense. Steve Yates is the chairman of the Idaho Republican Party. He is at Yates DCIA on Twitter. Uh, Stephen, always great to have you. Thank you very much for sharing your expertise. Good to, good to talk to you. Thank you, Buck. Take care. The Buck Sexton Show. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. 800-